From the heavenly way I was wretched And I was blind as could be Oh, but, but my Savior In love Gave his life for me when he reached down his hand. Are you glad for that day? You remember that day when he reached down his hand for you? Oh, when my Savior reached down for me. Sing it if you know it. He had to reach way down for me. You know, I was lost and undone without God or His Son when He reached down his hand for me. Father, we thank you this morning for that day, for that time, for that very, very, very special occasion when you reached down, washed away our sins, washed away our pain and hurts, put your arms around us and drew us next to you. God, we thank you for that. Though it's been many years ago, for some of us, Lord, it seems fresh in our minds today. Should there be one person here today that has, that has never experienced, dear God, that touch, that experience of salvation, may they do that before they leave today. In the precious and holy name of Jesus, amen. It is so good to see you in the house of the Lord today. We thank you for coming. Uh, we thank God for Michael and Christy and Emma and the team that has taken these youth for three nights or three days or whatever to Danville, Virginia, and had some powerful... I look to have or see some results from that here in this church, and we're excited about that. This morning, I'd like to read from the book of First Kings. 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. If you do not have an outline of the sermon, we have someone, I hope, back there to give out that. If you will, just lift your hand and we'll make sure that you get an outline. The title of the sermon is, is a question. Are you there? Are you there? Brother David Smith, I remember Claude Hurley. Pastor in a great church in South Carolina, a great man of God. I think he died in 2019. Did you preach his funeral? You, you didn't. Because you and he were very, very close. But Claude Hurley, I remember him preaching this message about 40 years ago, I believe it was. Uh, are you there? <laughs> it was so impressive. I said, wow. So I'm not trying to copy him or anyone. As one writer said, 
uh, I read from many people, get a lot of information. Uh, and he, he described it this way. I milk many cows, but I churn my own butter. <laughs> so I trust the Lord has spoken to my heart this morning that it would challenge you. If you will, let's look at 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except, look at it, at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And I want to carry this over to uh, another uh, verse or two. Then the word of the Lord, when the brook dried up, then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, go to Seraphath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. My question to all of us today, are we there? Are we where God has commanded us to be? Are we in obedience to the Lord and are we in the place where God can use us, bless us, provide for you and I? Notice the introduction, if you will. Ahab was the seventh king of Israel. Actually, there were 19 kings of Israel. There were 20 kings of Judah. Now to understand, if you would, the Old Testament, and really and truly the New Testament, it's good to understand the nation of Israel. This was God's chosen people. And there are a lot of truths that we even uh understand and live by today that came out of this relationship with the nation of Israel. And we know that the first king of Israel was uh, Saul, and then the king of David was the second king, and the third king was who? Solomon. And after that, the nation split, became Judah, Two, two tribes and Israel. Great story. Great happenings. Great truths. And I would really encourage you, if you would, to spend some time studying, uh, you know, especially First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, 
First and Second Chronicles, and then much, much of the other scriptures concerning this great nation. Of the 19 kings of Israel, not one of them were good. All were evil. Wow. And then of the 20 kings of Judah, there were 12 that did evil in the sight of the Lord, and there were eight that did right in the sight of the Lord. Interesting, interesting because God moved upon this nation to teach other nations and certainly to bring forth through the nation of Israel, his son, Jesus Christ. Let me read it again. Ahab was the seventh king of Israel, the son uh, and successor of King Omri and the husband of Jezebel, the Sidon. Or Sid, yeah, Sidon. Now, I, I got to looking at that name Jezebel, and that name just goes all through the Old Testament and even in Revelation. So there's a lot tied to this evil, evil woman that Ahab certainly married. He lived in Samaria, the royal capital, and built a temple in order to Baal there. Ahab, along with Jezebel, established idolatry, and these actions have certainly led to the severe consequences for Israel. Ahab, I love this statement, and, and, and because I want to, I think it means something for us today in our contemporary world. Look at this statement. Ahab was most wicked, 1 Kings 16, I'm going to read that. And Ahab made a wooden image. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. He was a bad dude. He was an awful king. And here they have raised up the God of Baal. And Ahab, along with Jezebel, established idolatry. And as I said, these actions led to severe consequences of Israel. Ahab was most wicked. God answered Israel's worst king by raising up one of the greatest and most powerful prophets in the Old Testament. I would encourage you to find out. Read it. Look up the name Elijah. Of course, don't get it confused with the name Elisha. Elisha was another prophet that followed Elijah. Two great prophets. But this prophet Elijah was a great man. Now notice this sentence again. God answers Israel's worst king by raising up one of the greatest and most powerful prophets in the Old Testament. Do you think God is going to let the evil that goes on in this nation get by? Absolutely not. God reigned judgment in the way of an awful famine for three and one half years. I'm not sure that we even know the evil and the ungodliness that's going on in this nation today. I'm not sure. I shudder at the thought 
of the direction of America. But I believe in God, Brother Dan, to raise up a man of God, a woman of God, men and women of God, a church to answer the evil from Washington and right on. It's important that we understand that. It's important that we believe that. It's important that we expect that. It's important that we pray, God, send a move of your Holy Spirit to counteract what's going on in this nation. My, my, my. And if he did it for Israel, he'll do it for us. God, give us a nation. God, give us a people. God, give us some churches. And we're praying. Oh, God, are we praying. We're trying our best to keep our finger on the pulse of what God wants. And minister. Touch people's lives. We believe here in this church in deliverance. Deliverance. Deliverance from bondage, deliverance from sin. And I could name all kind of things. So we find here, look at Roman numeral number one with us. Elijah proclaims a drought. And it says that, he, that Elijah was uh, a Tishbite, which means simply that he was from a city of Tishbe. That's where Elijah, he just steps out like this. Woom! On the scene. All the evil's going on. All the idolatry's going on. All the backsliding immorality that's going on. And all of a sudden, boom! I love that. He pops up on the scene. And he goes to Ahab. He goes right straight to the horse's mouth. He goes right straight to the leader. And he said, Mr. Ahab, there's not going to be rain on this nation until I say so. Wow. Wow. There's no way I can explain and preach. It would take... Weeks and weeks and weeks to tell what all went on between Ahab, Jezebel, Elijah, the men of God that God sent to the nation of Israel. Because story after story with the ravens, with the widow woman, story after story, the way that God took Elijah and the great miracles that were performed by this great man of God. But let's get just a little nugget this morning. Will you allow me to get just a little nugget, nugget this morning? God called prophets to try to rescue Israel from its moral and spiritual decline. God grant it. I don't know whether it hurts you or not. I don't know. But it grieves me to see how deep in sin and how ungodly people can be. I've never seen the like of people telling lies, lies. 
I don't know some of our politicians can't tell the truth to save their life. It bothers me. All liars shall have their place in the lake of fire. Listen, it is, it is, it is astonishing where this nation has gone to. Elijah bravely confronted Ahab, who led his people into evil, revealing a power greater than any pagan god. Who is that god? Who is the god that's greater than any pagan god? Who is that god that's greater than any god in America? Who is that God that's greater than any God in the world? You, you just march them right on. You just march them right on. And you talk about how powerful and how great they are. They're not powerful and great at all. But we serve a great and a mighty Mighty, mighty God. Can you say amen? Elijah challenged their so-called God. You know why he said? Oh, one of the reasons he said there wouldn't be rain. Baal, let me tell you, let me tell you a little bit about Baal. Baal was an idol. Baal was a God that Israel, that, that far nations worship Baal. But then Ahab and Jezebel introduced this God to Israel and they paid homage to this God. And they just said, this God controls the weather. Baal controls whether it rains or it doesn't rain. Baal. And so when Ahab stepped on the scene and said, I'm telling you, there's not going to be rain until I say so. And three and a half years, they couldn't handle that. You see, Elijah was coming against Ahab's God. And that's the reason the church is despised today is because the believer comes against this nation's God, the God of money, the God of pride. Oh, on and on. And that's why they hate you. They hate you at work. They hate you where you go. They don't like you. If they find out you're a Christian, they don't like you. Not every time, not all the time, but certainly many times. Because you don't only come against them as far as your life, you're not certainly coming against them. But as far as your life, you're coming against their God. And Ahab and Jezebel and the nation of Israel could not handle that. And he just stepped out, going to be no rain. And as soon as he did that, God said, Elijah, yeah, I, I, I want you to go. Hide yourself. What? I want to be out here prophesying. I want to be out here doing all. I want to go preach. I want to go hold revival. Now's the time to hold revival because there's going to be a drought and people are turned to God. God, I want to do something else. Hey, Elijah, you go down to the brook and hide yourself. Listen, if God tells you to hide yourself, you hide yourself. 
If God tells you to step on the scene and be obedient to him and do the great things that he's called the church to do, then you do that. But God said to Elijah, hide yourself. Elisha's hiding place. Elisha's hiding place. Perfect seclusion. There, there's a verse here. I hope I can find it. I got it here somewhere. Uh, oh, look at the last verse of the mark. This is, this is 1 Kings 18 and 10. As the Lord our God, or your God rather lives, there is no nation. Now here's a prophet saying this, not Elijah. There is no nation or kingdom where my master has not sent someone to hunt for you. This man is saying, let me tell you, because Elijah told him, I want you to go tell him, uh, told this prophet, I want you to go tell him that rain's coming. What are you, crazy? Notice what he continues to say. And when they said he is not here, he took an oath from the kingdom or nation that they could not find you. In other words, Ahab and the leaders of Israel sought Elijah for three and a half years. They turned over every nook and corner. They sought him everywhere they could. But guess what? They couldn't find him. You know why? Because God hid him. He was in a secluded place. Let me ask you something. As a believer, as a spirit-filled believer, do you find yourself going off to a secluded place to be with God? Do you hear the voice of God says, Don, Sam, Shirley, whoever, I want you to take some time off. Let me read you a couple of scriptures that I think is just, just great. Two scriptures. Mark chapter 135. Now in the morning... Having risen a while long, risen a long while before daylight, he went, who? Jesus, out and departed to a solitary, that's a desert, to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Whoo! So why he says, Boy, I'm having a hard time. Boy, I don't know if I can make it with my walk with God or not. Well, let me tell you something. It makes it a lot easier when you get secluded and get off by yourself with God and talk to him and let him talk to you. Amen? Amen. One more verse. Follow me. Luke chapter 5. So he himself, Jesus, often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Where's Pastor Don? I don't know. He's gone. I, we look for him. He's gone. Where's so-and-so? I don't know. And you find out later that the knees of the pants are being worn out. You find out later that the toes on their shoes are turned up. I've told the story of Carol's dad. Carol's dad didn't have much of an education. In fact, he started preaching. He learned how to read from the Bible. He was a mechanic, but God called him to preach. And you know where he went? Just like Saul. You know, Saul went to the backside of the desert 
when God changed his life. But Zeb Holder, he went to the woods. He went to the woods day after day after day. He prayed so much on his knees until the tip ends of his toes wouldn't stretch out. They were turned. I mean, how, hey, have you prayed that long? Is your shoes turned up or are they straight out? Listen, it's time for the church to steal away somewhere and pray. Let me say it again. It's time for the church to hear the voice of God. And we can't hear the voice of the Lord because there's so much clamor, television, uh, uh, radio, uh, music, phones, TV, computers. Every time I do a deed I shouldn't do. Every time I say a word I shouldn't say. Let me tell you what I do. And it brings a blessing too. I just steal away somewhere and pray. How long has it been? I'm going to challenge you today. Find your place to pray. I have a certain place I go to to pray. Now, I pray other times. I pray other times. But there's a certain place. My mother had cancer years ago. My mother had cancer many, 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 many years ago. I went to a certain place to pray. I got on my knees and cried out to God. I wasn't the only one praying. Mama was praying. Others were praying. And I prayed a certain prayer, and God answered that prayer just like I prayed. Just like I prayed, and God healed her. God touched my mother. Praying. Find somewhere to pray. And ever since that time, there's a certain place I go to pray. Find you a place to pray. You say, Pastor, why is it so important to find a certain place to pray? I'll tell you why it is. Because sometimes I don't feel like praying. Sometimes I don't want to pray. But the fact that I'm here speaks volumes. The fact that I'm here, God understands. I'm here to pray. And God spoke to Elijah. He said, Elijah, get to the brook chariot. I love this. Perfect seclusion. You see, God often teaches best in seclusion and solitude. Number two, an unusual provision. Now, I don't know why God chose ravens. Maybe if it had been us, we'd been wanting a golden eagle. You see, ravens eat dead things. It's called a carrion bird. But it was fed by ravens. And, 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 and ravens are selfish birds. Can you imagine them bringing food? Now, there's a famine. And they find this food. They find bread. And they find meat. I don't know where they got the bread and the meat. It was a famine. Someone said they got the meat out of Ahab's smokehouse. I don't know. But I do know this. I do know that God supplied the need 
for Elijah. And I'm here to say to every one of us in this assembly today that God, no matter what you need from God, he will supply your need. If he'll take ravens in the morning and in the evening and bring food to Elijah for three and a half years, that's almost 5,000 meals in three and a half years. That's a lot of food. Now that's not meals on wheels. That's meals on wings. I mean, you're talking about bringing food. Do you say, Pastor, that was many, many years ago. That was Elijah, the great prophet. Me, I have needs today. Let me tell you, there's not a need that you have. My God will supply your need. Let me say it again. My God so it will supply your need. I, I'm, I'm reading from Philippians, Mark chapter 4, 19 through 20. And I love the amplified translation. Here it goes. And my God will liberally, liberally supply. And he's saying here, feel until full. How long has it been since your coffers have been filled until full? How long has it been since your joy that's been lacking has been filled until full? How long? But it says feel until full. Your every, say every, every need according to Wachovia Bank. Didn't say that, did it? According to Food Line. Didn't say that. I love God's word. He cuts through the chase. He cuts through all the natural stuff, and it does use natural things sometimes. But look at it. Your every need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. You can't beat it. There is nothing that my God will not do for you and supply your need. To our God and Father be, be the glory forever and ever. Say amen. God has your needs supplied. If God will bring ravens, birds, and feed this prophet, for three and a half years, or ever how long, God will supply your need. My wife had powerful parents. They trusted God. They were poor at times. And at times they didn't have food to eat. Come and tell about it, Sister Carol. Well, are you there? Are you there? Are you ready for God to meet your need like he met my parents' need? I was about five years old, and our family, my dad had uh, launched his ministry. The offerings were running 35 cents. There was no food in the house. My sister Jean was very sick. She was born with a birth defect that was very bad, so we were struggling with that. And there was no food in the house. My mom, I said, Mom, I'm hungry. I said, what are we going to eat? And she said, we have air pudding tonight. And I said, what's air pudding? 
and she took me to the cabinet and opened the cabinet door and pointed to the bowl and said, that's air pudding. There was nothing in it but air. And so, you know, she was trying to take it and not hurt our, you know, make us afraid of the fact that we had no food in the house. That's how little food was in our house. And my dad was on his knees. And all of a sudden, there came a knock to the front door. And when that knock came, my dad went to the door, and there's nobody there, not a person there, but there's three bags of groceries. An angel had provided our food. If God can feed God can feed Elijah. He can feed you, honey. And you know, we don't, we don't hunger for food as much here in America, but I tell you, America is hungry. Yes. And we need to be filled. Amen. Can you see, man? Give the Lord a good hand. Amen. There were many nights, many nights, that my wife went to sleep with the prayers rumbling from her dad. A praying, fasting man. You're talking about the gifts of the Spirit and the power of God operating in his life. He would prophesy. He pastored two churches, one here in Durham, one in, down mid, in Midway, halfway between Dunn and Clinton. And we traveled with him to this church and that church. And there were things that he would prophesy. And my wife is real young, and we'd look at each other and say, well, you know, I don't know about that one. But it always come to pass. It came to pass. God will provide just what you and I need. Look at Roman numeral number two. Number two. There were plentiful. He had water from the brook. He had meat and bread in the morning. And he had meat and bread and water in the evening. Now God, now God never gave him a surplus. You know, I, I just feel like we're in a time when people in America are afraid of the insufficiency that's not there. The inadequate. We're not, oh, oh my God, I don't know if we're going to have enough or not. Why in the world? Are they building so many storage buildings? You ever notice it? Everywhere you turn them. Because America has got so much, we feel like we got to keep it. We, oh my God, we need to trust God. Our faith needs to be in the Lord. Not in the arm of flesh. Not in what man can do. But what God can do. My wife and I were talking yesterday. Some of the healings and the power of God that took place when we were younger. But people were desperate. You know why God brought those three bags of groceries on that porch? Because they, can, they couldn't go to food line. And Harris Teeter. People, people had to trust God. They had to believe God or go hungry. God wants to supply. God wants to give. There was plenty. And I just read Philippians chapter 4, verses 19 through 20. Not only was there plenty, it was regular. Not a surplus, as I said. We need to be content with what we have. God, help us. Oh, God. 
Lord, we get up from the table and we've eaten so much we can't hardly move. Don't get angry at me. It's true. But if you'll trust God, God will He'll supply your need. Not necessarily you won't. And I know preachers preach that, and I think there are times that He might supply our wants, but He provides plenty. He provides regularly, and He provides miraculously. There was no grain. There was a famine in the land. There was an awful famine in the land. It had to be a miracle where those ravens, those birds got that food. It was a miracle, but God provided. Going through this quickly, look at number three. Pastor Alan Carr writes it this way, and I like the way he did it, so here we go. There is a place of promise. There is a place of provision. You know what the greatest provision that God provided for? One day he said, son, go down there. I'm going to provide mankind with a way out of their situation. I'm going to provide mankind with a way back to us for a relationship. And Jesus willingly and obediently came to this earth born of a virgin, lived, went to the cross, gave his life and laid it out there for me and you. You're talking about God's provision. If he'll give his son, there is not one thing that he will not do. There, that place there, where? There. You're here today. In this place today. There's a place of promise. There is a place of provision. There is a place of providence. This is interesting. Very interesting. When God spoke to Elijah and told him to go to the brook Cherith, he said, I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Before he got there, the command of God had already touched those ravens' minds or whatever, how he redid it. And then when the, when the brook dried up, he said, I want you to go to Sarathat. Now that is Jezebel's home place. And you're talking about going into the mouth of the lion. You want me to go where? That's where Jezebel's from. No. I'm going, you know, she never found him. They never found him. Even though he exposed himself. But he said, I want you to go to Sarathat, because there's a widow, and I have commanded her. In other words, before he got there, either place, God Almighty had already commanded that to be done. There's a place of power, 
You believe God's the God just like he was yesterday and day before? I believe the same God that, that caused the Red Sea to roll back and the children of Israel to go over. I believe that same God is for us today. Amen. That's a good place. Amen. I believe the God that caused the children of Israel, ever how many there were, I don't know, but ever, there were a lot of them, ever how many there were, they didn't have water. I believe God caused water to come out of a rock. Amen. Food to fall out of heaven. Manna, water, whatever they needed. He provided for the nation of Israel. Can you say amen? Whatever you need, God will always provide for you. Preacher, you, you, you just preaching. No, I'm telling you God's word. A man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. And I've experienced it. My mother, we, won't, we didn't have a lot of money. My mother, we rented. My mother, she would give away every penny she had. I don't know where she got that from, but she'd give all of her money away. She'd give away the rent money. She gave away the money we needed. You know what? We never one time was kicked out of the house. We always had gas for the car, an old 54 Chevrolet. We always had it. You see, I don't care. If God tells you to do something, if you're obedient to God, God it may be just right on time. But God will answer prayer. There, there is a place of power. There is a place of protection. Don't get impatient with God. Trust God. Say, God, here I am. I'm trusting you today because I know you're going to move. There is a place of protection. And lastly, there is a place of privilege. How, have you, how would you like to be, Brother Matt? And you guys, would you come? How would you like to be at a place and watch, sitting in a cave, mouth of a cave and looking out. Just looking out. And all of a sudden you see these flock of birds coming in. <laughs> this is interesting to me. A flock of birds coming in. Oh, it's ravens. I don't know if you've ever, I, ravens, I don't see many ravens around here. Ravens and crows aren't the same. A raven is larger than a crow. My wife and I were in Alaska. Boy, they have ravens in Alaska. They're about twice the size of a crow. And as I said, they're selfish birds. They didn't want to give up the food they had in their mouth. But all of a sudden, he looks out the mouth of the tent, and here comes these birds, woo, and dropping food. If God has to send a raven, if God has to send a neighbor, if God has to send an enemy, I was reading about a pastor, Brother Matt, just put a little, little something on that keyboard. I was reading about a pastor. They're just having problems in his church. This one against this one. And he was a young pastor and he just was struggling. One of the brothers of the church called him up and said, I want to come and see you. He said, all right. Well, all of a sudden, he's wondering, why does he want to come see me? 
He drove up to his house in a pickup truck. Got out of the pickup truck, left it running. Walked up to him as he stood on his porch. He reached in his pocket. He said, we just, uh, they were struggling. They couldn't pay their bills. The gentleman said, we just received an inheritance. I've come to bring it to you. He thought he was his enemy. No matter who it is, folks, God can provide for you. God will make a way. God will provide. Now, we've changed a little bit here as far as the order of the service. I'd been feeling for about two months to be patient around the altar. See, I believe in the I, I, I believe in the power of prayer. It's God's word. There's ways you can pray for people. First of all, you can lay your hands upon the sick and the Bible says they shall recover. You can pray the prayer of faith that James talks about and the Lord shall raise them up. You can pray the prayer of agreement. The Bible says if two of you shall agree as touching any one thing. It what? It shall be done. There is salvation in this place today. Amen? There is healing in this place today. There is deliverance in this place. Why? Because God's here. Jesus is here. And God's people are here. And faith is in this place today. And the same one that provided for Elijah and through, throughout the scriptures, throughout the scriptures, Jesus took a few pieces of food, fish and bread, broke it, prayed over it, distributed to 5,000. And took up baskets of food. Surplus. God gave. God gave. You say, you see, if we're not careful, we hear those stories and we think, well, that happened thousands. God is just as real today as he was back then. Stand with us and sing with the team as we sing together.